the news, the views covering your teams. This is the Radio Verulam Local Football Show from St Albans on 92.6 FM. Good evening and welcome to the best local football show here on 92.6 FM and online at Radio Verulam. We enjoy your company. Well, what an eventful week we've had. A second lockdown is on its way, which at this stage means many of our local teams won't be in action next week. We also have had a financial rescue package secured from the National Lottery to inject much needed cash to assist our local teams in these unprecedented times. However, the local football show is here to keep you up to speed with all our local teams and tonight we have another great show in store for you. We hear from Saints players, Rihard Metrovic and Mitchell Weiss as well as Saturday's match highlights. Johnny will share last week's local results as well as sharing the fixtures ahead for Leverstock Green, London Colney, Harpenden Town, Colney Heath, Sandridge Rovers and St Albans Ladies as well as many more. Dean Bradford, club secretary of Leverstock Green, will join us. Johnny had a great day out in the FA Vars down at Colney Heath. What a result for the Heath. Our very own Tony Rice shares his movements over the past seven days. And we also speak to St Albans City club historian of 50 years, David Taverner. Finally, don't forget to listen out for our chosen football theme anthem of the week. It is a Scottish theme this week, so all will be revealed. Find us on social media as RV Football. And on 92.6 FM from St Albans, this is the voice of local football. The player's strength, look, he's dropped again, Sean's on. He's collected from Tom Benry's on the halfway line. It goes to Warner Ely, back to Tom. Tom plays it into Kieran Wiltshire. They do a 1-2. Tom gets a bit of space. He's looking for that long diagonal left footer. He does. He tries to find Sundry on the far side. He does. Brilliant oh, ball by Tom Bender. Sundry was trying to jockey around. He gets into the penalty box. He shoots. He's missed. And it's a goal St Albans City. Zane Banton. What an opportunity. He's currently St Albans City 1. Chipping them down. Nil. Kieran Wilson gets the ball into Mitchell Weiss. Weiss plays into Kieran. Yes, Mitchell Weiss is one on one with the goalkeeper. He's round the goalkeeper. He brings it into the penalty spot. Can he score? Mitchell Weiss makes it 2 0. St Albans City. What an opportunity. Great play there from Kieran Wilson into Mitchell Weiss. Mitchell Weiss plays it to Sean Jeffers, who's on the right hand side. Jeffers plays it into Mitchell Weiss. There was no defence. The goalkeeper came off the line. He lost his footing. Mitchell Weiss plays it around the goalkeeper. He carries the ball, drags it, dribbles it all into the net. He's got a defender on him, slots it into an empty net. That is St. Albans City 2, Chippenham Town 0. You're right, well deserved. This is Zane Banton chasing down the goalkeeper. Who misses the opportunity? There's an opportunity and it's a goal for the Saints. 3-0, Sean Jeffers has scored. That's what I wanted, Tony. I wanted a third goal for goal difference. And we've got it here at Clarence Park. What a goal, mistake by the goalkeeper, Zane tracked down, he was urgent, he went for the goalkeeper, he missed, hit it, it trickled to uh, Sean Jeffers, 30 yards out, trickled it into an empty net, 3-0 St Albans. Do you know what, I absolutely am over the moon by that, <laughs> it cements the game, it's a 3-0 win, but also we said it didn't we, in terms of work rate, 
If Workwork deserved the goal, that man Jeffers has really put in a shift today and he's got his third goal of the season in the league context and richly deserved. From St Albans on 92.6 FM and online around the world, you are listening to the Radio Verulam Local Football Show. Obviously, we didn't start great, conceding the penalty in the first, I don't know, was it 10 minutes, something like that. Um, but Rees come back from a little mistake on, on Monday and made a great save for the penalty. Um, and I think after that, we kind of, it settled us into the game a bit. Obviously, Zane scored a good goal from um, a nice bit of play from Manash down the right. Um, and then just before half time, I've, I've managed to score with a nice bit of play with um, Sean, Manash and Kyron, which I thought was quite a nice bit of football. Um, and obviously not nice to get on the score sheet. Um, half time, we kind of just said, look, if we just stay calm, keep playing, then we'll be, we'll, be, we'll be fine for the second half. They had a 10 minute spell when they were good, which you'd expect from a team that are losing 2-0 at half time because they've got to come out and try and give it a bit. But after their 10 minute spell for second half, again, we relaxed a bit. We got on the ball, we started passing it. And I think from then on, we kind of almost saw the game out. Didn't, didn't see too many chances. Tom made a great block at the end for one chance with about 10 minutes left, which change, changes the game, doesn't it? If they score with 10 minutes left, all of a sudden we're backs to the wall. But um, no, I think we controlled it really well. Managed to nick, a, nick another one at the end from some good pressing from Zane. And Sean's just popped the rebound in. So all in all, I think it's a pretty good performance and obviously a great way to bounce back from Monday after a massive disappointment in the FA Cup. Congratulations on your game today. Talk us through it. Well, obviously, penalty early in the game. It didn't go away. The decision, the ball's going wide. I'm not sure if it's a handball or not. Um, but, you know, once it's happened, it's happened. So all I'm focusing on is just, you know, making the save. I've seen the guy, um, I've seen the guy take his penalty before. He was going to go down the middle, maybe. But um, I thought he might change it. So, um, obviously, I've just dived to my left. I've seen the ball come in, just put, stick my leg out. Um, ended up just connecting nicely. Ball went far away. Obviously, it's just a great, great feeling. At that time, it just gives me all the confidence I need. I thought I had a pretty quiet game after that. There was that one clearance, which um, could have caught me out, but I was just on my toes, just had to tip over the bar. Nothing too difficult. And the rest was just being, being um, alive and uh, just, just being ready for the true balls, for everything else. But it felt, felt, felt great. It felt great. Like, I enjoyed it so much, um, especially after Monday. Just great to get out of the way and, um, you know, just to move on. And it's great to, you know, have that confidence and just be enjoying my, my football again and yeah I'd really love today fantastic result for the Saints beating Chippenham Town 3-0 on Saturday a brilliant response from the disappointment of Monday's FA Cup exit and what a save from the Latvian under 21 goalkeeper to redeem himself it's worth also pointing out what an influence Mitchell Weiss has been I really like how he plays in that number 10 role such a threat and links well with Sean Jeffers who has been another great signing for the Saints this season so it's exciting times at Clarence Park so far this season and if you want to keep in touch you can either pay 6.99 via the club's live streaming service or you can listen live here on Radio Verulam via the Saints Live Red button online. Find us on social media as RV Football and on 92.6 FM from St Albans. This is the voice of local football. Let's catch up with another one of our local teams in Leverstock Green and check in on their progress so far this season. We have Dean Bradford, club secretary from Leverstock Green. Dean's going to take us through what the club have been up to over the last couple of weeks. I'm going to talk a little bit about the recent uh, lockdown announcement and how that's going to affect Leverstock Green. So, Dean, welcome back to the show. How are you? And uh, give us a quick insight to 
how the club's getting on. Hi, yeah, yeah, good, good to be back as always, um, Graham. Um, yeah, as I say, the, uh, the the weather unfortunately has, has dominated proceedings in the last couple of weeks. We've um, we had uh, four games scheduled, um, plus tonight's game at home to Wembley, which is going ahead. Um, so anyone in the area, last game before lockdown and all that. So um, seven thirty kickoff at home to Wembley down at Pancake Lane uh, tonight. So if you can come along to that one, then great. Um, in terms of the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, not bad, really, actually, to be fair. We were at home to Biggleswage United, who um, just got on um, top of the league um, at home on the Tuesday, 20th of October. Um, a fairly dull nil-nil draw, to be brutally honest. There are a couple of groundhoppers that come along that um, made that perfectly clear during the match. But it was one of those sort of windy, blustery, wet, drizzly nights um, in, in sort of late November. So it wasn't conducive to um, a great game of football. Um well, that's but a good again, result, though, isn't know, it, Dean? To be fair, nil nil. Yeah, in the grand scheme league. of things, I mean, you know, draw uh, the two games that have gone ahead again have been against arguably two of the two of the best teams in the league. So, yeah, drew at home to Biggleswade, nil uh, nil, and then on the Saturday, the twenty fourth of October, three uh, four days later, uh, difficult place uh, as always former Southern League team, uh, Leighton Town, uh, tipped by many as um, you know, tipped to sort of make the top two and go up. Um, this season, um, obviously depending on what's happening regarding the lockdown and COVID. Uh, and we lost 1-0, but it was a tight game, could have gone either way. A um, few familiar faces. Um, obviously, I've got my old Berkhamsted ties, um, ex-reserve um, manager Joe Sweeney's um, doing a good job now at um, Leighton. Uh, so it was a, a bit of a reunion in terms of a number of familiar faces on both teams. Played in a very good spirit. Again, hats off to Leighton in terms of what they're doing, obviously, off the pitch um, as a result of being on the pitch in terms of crowds there, 300-odd people wow. in the current environment. Fantastic. Um, I've also got – I have to give a plug also to um, the <laughs> catering facilities at Leighton. Uh, absolute top-notch. A lady comes and runs her own company, Lake Catering Company, um, and makes her own stuff homemade. And I have to say, it was yeah, filled to the brim, lamb and mint pasties, homemade oh. chocolate cake. I might just go there for another game if I'm in the area, to be honest. <laughs> That's so, non-league football at um, its best, though, Dean, right? It is, you're right there. Non-league football at its best. You can't, you can't get that at YR Lane or Anfield or, um, <laughs> exactly. you know, pop down and get a homemade pie. £1.50, lamb pasty, job done. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, really good game. Then, you've had two postponements, including one I was we really have... interested in, which was supposed to be London Conley on the 31st of October. Why was that postponed then? Uh, again, um, it's one of those sort of things. We we did everything by the book. Uh, nine ten o'clock in the morning, the, the the sun was out. It wasn't raining. Um, it had obviously we've had a lot of um, rain around in the last couple of weeks. Um, and then right at the very cusp of you know in terms of the league rules, um, we hand it over to the match referee at midday. Um, our groundsman arranged for uh, the referee to arrive a little bit earlier. Um, and yeah, by the time 12 o'clock come along, you couldn't even roll a ball. Um, just how quickly the weather turned on Saturday. Uh, and in the end, only two Premier League games actually survived the, the elements. Um, and again, frustrating for everyone. But um, interestingly, on the on the first team group chat, you know, we're sort of taking a step back. They were all like, why can't the game be on? It's sunny now. Um, but just really explaining to them about how non-league rules work. You know, the rules are the rules. We can, as a club, postpone the game in the morning with um, an inspection um, but how quickly things change and by the time we got down there at um, you know 
uh, half one, two o'clock, they, the players themselves who'd, who'd come down because we had just said to the guys that come along anyway, we've got the, got the, the football and the rugby on, have a beer. And they were like, oh, yeah, I see what you mean now. So it was a good, good lesson for them to learn that, you know, we, we don't take these things lightly. Obviously, we want as a football club to have the game on. Um, especially in the current environment, but it's just it's just the way it was. So that was it in a nutshell. But I, can't, I kept in contact with London Colney throughout. They were very grateful. Um, but as I say, you know, the, the safety of the players is paramount. And um, yeah. yeah, obviously we wanted it on because there's not been many games and there was rumours of, of a potential lockdown coming on. So of course we wanted the game played. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the elements got the better of us, unfortunately. So, so, tonight... so yes, yeah, so we've had two postponements since. Yeah, so tonight you're up against. Sorry, Graham, yeah. That's okay. You're up against Wembley tonight, so this is potentially the last are, game yes. uh, before lockdown. Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about um, what you've been told on lockdown. But before we do that, just let's quickly give you a give you a, a shout out for those who want to come and watch some local football. How do they book a ticket? How much is it for an entrance fee, etc.? Uh, it's a seven pound entrance fee, four pound concessions. Um, as I say, it's um, tickets are on on uh, pay as you as you um, turn up at the turnstile. We've got one of the best, um, you know, outside of the, of the you know, um, outside of like the top levels of football. We've got a very very good track and trace system already in place. Tony Smart, our vice chairman, has taken it extremely seriously. There'll be temperature checks, uh, name checks, and everything as they come in. So you know, again, everyone's safety is paramount. Social distancing, um, table service only in the clubhouse. Um, so, yeah, do come along to Pancake Lane because it might be the last game that people watch above um, step three for, for at least a month. Um, we've been glued to, um, you know, obviously um, what's been happening. And, and Boris only announced this afternoon that he has confirmed that football outside of uh, step two um, will be postponed for four weeks. And there'll be a review on the 2nd of December. So we just um, have to take the bigger picture. We've got four sides ranging from two EGA um, 16s and 14s, under 18s, and then our first team. So we'll all four teams will now be in lockdown to the 2nd of December. And of course, the as, as the paramount safety is the protection of, of you know the people around us. So if it means for, for four weeks we get in a better place as a country, then that's that's obviously the priority. So it's a little frustrating, um, but in terms of the bigger picture, I think it's probably the right thing at the moment, given all the information that we're seeing on the news. Um, yeah. And and yeah, we we hopefully will go again in four weeks' time, um, and hopefully things do settle down. So and just briefly there, Dean. Then to wrap up, how are the co- clubs, how is your club in particular prepared for this next lockdown? Are you are you financially going to be secure? Yeah, I'd say we've um again we've got um a, a fantastic treasurer who, who looks after the, the the monetary side of things. Um, and there's always built-in contingencies um, in terms of, of yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a cost to the club like it is everyone else. But um, in terms of financial stability, um, as a football club, we're in a we're in a good position in terms of, um, you know, just just where we are in terms of the state of play. Um, it's um, it is a shame. Obviously, the the more income we can bring, our two main income streams are obviously the bar and people coming in through the gates. Um, but as I say, it's, 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 it's just one of those things at the moment. We've got, we've got to deal with it. Um, it's, it's still bills to pay. I mean, electricity bills and things like that, they've still got to be paid. Um, you know, pitch maintenance, that sort of thing. That doesn't go away during, during the lockdown. Um, so there are expenditures. Um, but then we have money put aside to ring fence for such, um, 
emergencies, which obviously this this comes under that bracket. Um, but yeah, I'd say in terms of you know where we are from that point of view, um, like any like any club at our level, if we can bring in extra income, that's fantastic. But we've got um, a very strong and good board um, that look after things. Um, and you know, just a good structure in place at the moment on and off the pitch. So, Superb. Dean, as always, thank you for your time and giving us an update of what's going on. No, pleasure, on. pleasure as always. And, uh, yeah, we'll touch base soon again. From St Albans on 92.6 FM and online around the world, you are listening to the Radio Verulam Local Football Show. Now, Johnny was out on the road this weekend exploring the wonderful work of our local team in Colney Heath. Johnny was delighted to be involved with the match day experience and managed to speak to several individuals. It's Saturday afternoon. I've just come down to Coney Heath's ground, just off Coney Heath High Street, uh, behind the primary school here. And it's the first round of the FA Vars between Coney Heath and New Salamis. A little bit of background information on this game. The two teams played earlier in the season with the Salamis coming out 1-0 victors in the FA Cup. So this is a little bit of an opportunity for Coney Heath to get some revenge here. The game has kicked off. We're a few minutes in, pretty even. Both teams sort of battling against each other, feeding each other out. There's been one yellow card, number 11 for Coney Heath goes sliding in, the referee's just stamping his authority on the fixture. But we'll be back with you at half-time, give you a bit of an update and see how the game is going. The news, the views, covering your teams. This is the Radio Verulam Local Football Show. So it's half-time here at Coney Heath and the score is um, Coney Heath 1, New Salamis 0 and um, it's been a great performance from Coney Heath. They've been the side that have been on top for the whole of this first half. They've started with a real intent. I, I do believe that their fixture earlier in the season showed that the New Salamis are a real physical side and Coney Heath really started that intent by getting stuck in and um, gave away a yellow card in the second minute but I think that showed real intent that they weren't going to be pushed around there's been lots of chances Coney Heath had a header going just over in the 20th minute um, there's also been very 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 strong down the right side causing New Salamis some real problems in their left back area um, there's been a clumsy challenge by the New Salamis on the edge of the area which led to a free kick which got a deflection um, which then led to a corner it's been a little bit bad tempered with a few challenges flying in on the 29th minute though the centre back for Coney Heath pushed found himself in the right wing position um, he held his composure really well crossed into the far post and at the back post there was a goal for Coney Heath to take it 1-0 in the 29th minute now the new Salamis actually picked things up then and just before half time forced a couple of corners looked like they had a little bit more of intent and showed a little bit more creative element but here at half time it's Coney Heath 1 new Salamis 0 Find us on social media as RV Football. Well, the final whistle's just gone down here at Coney Heath. The final score, Coney Heath 3, New Salamis 1. Absolutely great result. I thought the New Salamis would come out a little bit more to see if they could capitalise and get an equalising goal back after Max Jessup put Coney Heath in front at the, in, the, in the first half. But it didn't really pan out like that. Coney Heath looked very much in control. Um, in the 70th minute, Sean Walsh poached the ball, plays in Jack Woods, who 
reversed it into the path of George Devine, who finished to make it 2-0, which was absolutely brilliant. To much cheer and celebration down here at Coney Heath. Then on the 67th minute, uh, Yazin Buhu, he made it um, in 3-0 with a great goal and a lovely finish. And then um, New Salem has managed to get back into a little bit with a penalty, a little bit of a dubious penalty, well dispatched. But the final score, Coney Heath 3, New Salem is 1, goals for Jessup, Devine and Bodhu. Absolutely great result. They go marching on to the next round. I'm going to march on into the clubhouse now. Once the players have showered, got themselves sorted, let's we'll see if we can have a chat with some of them in the bar. Final score, Coney Heath 3, New Salamis 1. Right, just after the game here at Coney Heath, and we're catching up with Ant. We spoke with him last week um, on the phone prior to this game. And Ant, tell us, assistant manager, you set them up really well. It's a 3-1 victory. How pleased do you feel with that? Yeah, we're over the moon with that performance. Um, probably our best performance of the season. So really tough with the lads, to be honest with you. Um, for me personally, obviously, Walshy, under-18s development players come in. Filled in there, he's been absolutely brilliant today. Man of the match, by the way. Because that could have been quite a daunting prospect, really, because they were quite a big... I mean, their, their back four, three of them, were absolute giants across the back there, so that could have been quite an intimidating yeah. atmosphere. He's fearless, little Shawnee. We've watched him a few times. And the reason why we've put him in there is because he has got that fear, fearless factor and he'll go and snap at players, and we needed that. In the first game when we played him in the FA Cup game, they completely dictated the game, completely dictated the tempo. And for us, with the players that we had available today, he was the key man for us because we needed him just to snap in there, try and win the ball back or put a little bit more pressure on that. We know, we obviously know coming on a, a grass pitch is going to be different from their home game, but they play on 3G, where it's such a true surface, and that showed in the first game. And we probably, we probably showed him too much respect in that first game, maybe because it was the first competitive game of the season. So today's been completely different. We've told the lads to be a little bit more aggressive, try and snap into the tackles a little bit. We said, don't be silly. Walshy, Sean Walsh, first four minutes, goes and does a, a bit of a naughty tackle, to be fair. Rightly got a yellow card, but apart from that, he was absolutely superb. As I was saying outside, I think that sort of showed your intent a little bit, that you weren't going to be pushed around. And I've got to be honest, they didn't really... I mean, I can't think of many clear-cut chances that they actually created. You sort of won that battle in the middle of the midfield. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a key thing of what we try and instill with the lads here is you work hard, you be hard to beat, and your attitude and your discipline has got to be spot on as well. And with that, most of the time the performance comes along with that. And it, it, again, it showed today it happened. So, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, just a brilliant performance all around from everyone. And and. You know, special shout, we've got Stano in as well, my standard, he's 35 years old, he just marshals the back line, he makes a big difference to it us. Is, he took, was he the guy who took a little knock at the end, yeah, yeah, got yeah. a little cut on his yeah, head? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, we've been winding him up a little bit, he's milking it a little bit. He sort of uh, got the manager a little bit uh, frustrated because of the amount of time taken to strap it up when it happened, but he's been brilliant when he's played and he's just marshaled that. Um, I thought defensively we were brilliant, obviously, Jay's given away a penalty there, a bit of a shame, but... It's not to take away from the performance and the whole team. It's brilliant all over. Right, and so tell us what happens now in the FA Vars. What, what happened? What's the next level? How does it? How does it go? How does it work? Well, it's steps five and six only. So um, I guess we could be drawn against any other sides that play today if there were many games going on. Um, so yeah, I mean wherever it may be, we might be at home, we might be away. Just look forward to it. And let's be honest. One performance like that today, I don't think you've got anyone to fear of you. Not at all. I mean, we've got there slowly. I mean, we've, we've sort of, 
been saying it to you in the interviews before, we've sort of been struggling a little bit personnel-wise, either personnel themselves, injuries, or suspensions, but we're starting now to get a squad together. Obviously, with the FA Vars itself, we've got a few players in that have already played in the competition, so they're not going to be allowed to play. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, when you've got players stepping up to the plate and the youngsters coming through, it, yeah, we've got the players there to, to pick from. Thanks ever so much. Look forward to catching up with you soon. Likewise. Cheers, Johnny. I also had the opportunity to catch up with the captain and star striker Jack Woods and I asked him how he thought the game had gone. A good side, so we knew it was going to be hard but I thought we all played well individually in the team. Come away. I mean there's a great atmosphere, You could, people might be able to hear in the background and in the clubhouse. Um, what was just going on? Was there a few new debuts today? Or yeah, was... yeah, so when you sign for a new club you have to do an initiation song. A lot of people get away with doing it in the change room, but we like to do it in the bar where everyone is there and embarrass them a bit more. But if you get a good song and everyone sings it, you don't have to do nothing. So it's a great If you pick a good song, you're all right. So that's the way it is. So, so this season has been fantastic. You've only lost once, but you've avenged that really today. What's, what, where do you think you're going to go? What's, what's the aim for this season? Oh, the aim is to be at the top, hopefully win the league. We lost a lot of players in summer. All of our best players basically all left. And I think the thing with Coney Eve is that we all look such a tight club. We're all mates, so like you see it in the background, so yeah. I mean, it's mental, but this club's mental. Like, yeah. So I think, yeah, well, I think we'll be up there in the top couple, but everyone else has got big budgets, and then we go from there. And you yourself, you're local, aren't you? Yes, I live in St Albans, yeah. So did you go to school round? Here? I went to Beaumont School, yeah. So. so you've gone right the way through, and so how many years have you been at the club? I've been at Coney Eve, I think it's my fourth year now. I started playing mental when I was about 16 for Harpenden, then to London Coney, and then to Coney Eve. So brilliant stuff, and um, as I say, a little bit of revenge today um, after losing to them. Were you expecting them to come out like that? Because it was quite it was a bit physical at times. Yeah, they're a, they're, they're a good size. They're all big, big lads. They know how to play football, they experience. So they, like, a lot of them played a lot higher than that. They, they usually play out there, but I thought we'd done, we stuck to our guns, we knew what we were doing, and come away with a win. So, good game. Excellent stuff. I won't keep you any longer. I'll let you go out there and enjoy it. But thanks ever so much. No we're looking forward to following you all the way this year at Radio Verona. Lovely. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Find us on social media as RV Football and on 92.6 FM from St Albans. This is the voice of local football. Stay with us as we have more for you here on 92.6 FM. Radio Verulam's local football show. Still to come this evening, we have Dave Tavner, St Albans City Club historian. Find us on social media as RV Football and on 92.6 FM from St Albans. This is the voice of local football. Now we have another guest with us on Radio Verulam's local football show. Here on 92.6 FM, we've got David Tavener. Now, David is a historian for St. Albans City Football Club. And what we're going to do tonight is really introduce you to David. And we're going to learn a little bit about himself and when and why he got involved with the football club and how he documents things. And um, a few little birdies tell me, Dave, that actually, uh, you know, you are the kingpin when it comes to statistics, facts for the whole duration of the football club. Obviously not back to 1908. That would be ridiculous, but welcome to the show, David. And first and foremost, tell us a little bit about yourself. When did you get involved doing this uh, historian work for the football club? 
Well, good evening, Graham. Um, thanks for that uh, build-up. I'm not sure we're quite going to match up to it, but uh, we'll give it a go. Um, well, I first started watching Stormwood back in March 1970, because neighbours along my street used to go, um, a couple of kids uh, either side, and they kept telling me how good it was. And uh, finally, they took me along. That was, I say, the end of March uh, 1970. And uh, it stayed with me ever since. Um, a few ups and downs along the way. Um, you're saying about how did I get involved with a club? Well, pretty soon from starting watching, I was going to every game. The neighbours were holding for me, so they would take me to the away games. And when I learned to drive, uh, well, by the end of the 1970s, um, I could take other people as well. And in 19, well, my first job was with WH Smith, so 10 years with them, which meant I kept missing Saturday games, Graham, which is a disaster, isn't it, when <laughs> <laughs> that's the main day for football. So I left Smith's in 85, and until the start of this season, I'd only missed uh, one competitive game in that time. Um, 50 years I'd there. already, before then, yeah, I started compiling. Uh, yeah, it's too long. One should have got a life in that time, really, by then. Um, but even before I'd, I'd started that run, I was collecting statistics and whatnot and um, getting into it on that side. I mean, when people start going to football, you probably know yourself, Graham, you buy a programme, you write a few details in it, and, and it probably all spawned from that. Um, and in 1985, a guy who was a city historian at the time, Derek Christmas, uh, he, re he retired, him and his wife, they moved up to Bourne in Lincolnshire, which meant he could no longer get to games. So I was sending him ev information every single game as what was going on, all the press cuttings and everything. And for 24 years, um, Derek and I worked together very closely and he was a terrific tutor to have. He, he didn't work on computers. He was a previous generation. I'm not sure I've got the hang of them yet. And, and, and his record keeping was absolutely fantastic. Um, a couple of years before he died, which was 2009, he gave me all his Snowball City programs, um, which went back to mid 1930s and his press cuttings as well from the same period as well. And after Derek went, I worked closely with Peter Taylor, a friend of mine, um, and we were historians together up until Peter's passed away suddenly, very sadly in August, uh, 2019. Um, between us, we added to that programme collection, so now we've got quite a good collection going back to 1921 when the club started doing them, and newspaper cuttings and all sorts of memorabilia. But the stats we keep on each game, they tend to grow. You, you always think, oh, that'd be an interesting stat. We'll add that to the details. Wow. And I tell you what, so you've got programmes as far back as 1921. I have indeed. Yes, we have. Wow. So 1921, push your paper clips. Yeah, but not in 1921s. You have to pay a decent price to any programmes pre-war, but they come at a premium, particularly the 1920s ones. A better condition, a better price. But you're not really bothered about that. It's, the information they put into the programmes, they're almost a single sheet, just folded three times. But the info they put into them was terrific. They're gold mines now to work from. Um, which is what frustrates me about programmes these days. The information they have is, well, on the whole, is uh, really poor in non-league, which is really sad because people in 100 years' time are going to look at it and think, well, so what? Whereas we go back uh, 100 years and it's great stuff. 
And you're right. The, the modern football program is a lot of it's marketing. A lot of it is commercialism. But from a statistics point of view, then, David, I mean, I know you're you're really you're really hot on memorabilia of statistics and gathering that information. Is that your background or is that just a hobby that you've just been able to capture that information and and share it? No, pretty much like you, because I know you play football um, to a pretty decent level when you were younger. So you get into football. So it's built into you um, in this country it is with kids, isn't it? Football's built into them. And it's just an interest that grew from that. Um, at school, I was useless at maths, useless at English, couldn't concentrate on anything. Um, it was a waste of space, basically. Not, not that a lot has changed over the years, I suppose. Um, so it, it was just foot, football that attracted my interest, uh, particularly Snowball City Football Club. I don't keep records than any other clubs. Although when you become historian and you start writing more and more, as I've done down the years, you do look into the history of other clubs because you're checking details. You want to get your information right. And it's a lot easier now with the internet with so much being out there. And so you you gather all this information and in particular, you've been doing this since 1970. So that's that's an incredible amount of time, David. I think it's wonderful that what, what you're doing or what you have done. If you think about the modern world where it's full of data driven, in particular within sport, what's your, what's your perception on on how that drives football now, rather than the what really happened, the facts. So, sorry, I missed a bit there, Graham. So, so I, I guess the first bit yeah. of your question. Sorry. So, I guess how how do you these days uh, view it when football teams or football clubs now are looking at data before something's happened? They're looking at statistics or performance of players through to your time when you you would just look at the facts of what's presented after the event. How do you feel that transition has worked? Are you for that or against that? Well, there's things, players now, you see them take their shirts off and, and they're covered in all sorts of things, monitoring how many miles they've done this, that and the other. Yeah, of course, obviously you want a player to run around a bit. But to me, if you get a headless chicken running around on the pitch <laughs> and, he, and he does a, I don't know, a few hundred yards before he collapses, that doesn't mean anything. But if, if he can do something with the ball in that time, and create a goal, create something, that's far better. Uh, just having people who can run up and down and just track back is, yeah, okay, it's great for the team, maybe, but if you can't do anything with a ball, it's a waste of time. Um, you look at David Noble in the Snowball City side now, now he's not going to cover more, uh, most ground of all the players we've got, but he's by far the best player we've got on the ball, and um, you can't replace him. And I think that is one of the elements missing uh, last week, when someone City got knocked out of the FA Cup at Bishop Stortford, they lacked somebody with that quality in midfield. Yeah, well said, well said, and and it's really interesting now, isn't it? It's a generational thing. The new generation is into data. The old generation were into the eye test, and you know, can that person play? And what drives you? You know, for me, what drove me was actually being better in everything I did with the football, not not necessarily how many miles or kilometres I'd run. You know, so. It's, it's obviously just a different mindset and stuff. But moving into St Albans, Dev, because I really want to question you on, on what do you think of the squad and, and the team so far this season, albeit that loss last week, as you say, to Stortford. Um, but one thing to say, when, when I started on Radio Verulam last season, commentating, you were you were very warm and welcoming to me. So that, that was, you know, when, when we had our little chats pre, you were excellent. You were always giving us a team sheet and... 
And I was always thinking, God, oh, I'd love to spend more time with this guy. He knows so much about this club. Hence why we're here today on Radio Veterans local football show. And we, we hope to have you back again in, and keep this rolling for a good three or four weeks and, and keep learning from you because you've got so much to share. But first and foremost, though, before we go back in time and we can do that another time as well, um, tell us about this squad because I see some things developing here, uh, Dave. I, I don't know if you feel the same, but... I feel there's a really good squad fermenting away. And if we park last week's uh, FA Cup game, then, you know, we've played a lot of games and won and we've not lost. And I just like the balance in there. Give me your thoughts on the players and the new signings that have been brought in and what your hopes and expectations are going forward this season. Well, it's interesting, Graham. Because um, obviously that defeat of Bishop Thorford was the first defeat of the season after... We don't play five competitive games. All right, we had nine pre-season friendlies, but friendlies really count for nothing. I think Hitchin Town proved that. They played seven or eight pre-season games, won the lot, won their first couple of competitive games, then get, got whopped 7-1 and 5-0. So friendlies are no guide, really. So our eight games, I'm beating whatever it was, our eight or nine games. It's nice. It boosts confidence in the squad, but it's, it's not that great. I'll be totally honest with you, Graham. We looked as supporters, talking to others, there were summer signings, and a lot of them came from lower-level clubs. So you're thinking, well, hang on, this club finished in a relegation place last season. It's lost four of its biggest names, and it signed players from lower levels. And you think, well, oh, this looks a bit dodgy. But I've got to say, up until the Stortford game, the five games we saw, right, uh, a couple of them were draws, uh, three, uh, yeah, at least a couple of them were draws, um, the football we played was far better than what we saw last season. And it was really encouraging. The defence had looked really good. They let in a couple against Ebbsfleet, but apart from that, we shut Ebbsfleet out. We didn't look like doing anything else. And, and it's encouraging. The forwards have been a little bit hit and miss, uh, but then they came good against Ebbsfleet. Um, had a terrible night against um, Stortford. Had three chances. And now they didn't even hit the target with three of the good chances they had. And, and they paid the penalty for it. And the defence, um, well, the first goal was Keystone Cops, uh, with the first <laughs> one that Stortford got. The second, yeah. the second one, again, it, it was poor defending. It was a great ball over the top, but it was poor defending. And that's the first time we've really seen the defence exposed. The side then really has looked pretty good so far. But unfortunately, most people who have seen the Stortford game and think, what are you lot talking about? Um, <laughs> yeah. That was all pretty awful, wasn't it? And it wasn't good. There's no two ways about it. The thing is now how that side reacts. Can it bounce back? All it's got left to fight for this season is the league and the FA Trophy. There's no county cups. Obviously, there's no league cup anymore. That went some time ago. So the options are limited. So they've got to get back to winning ways pretty quickly in the league and get everybody back on side again. And from what we saw early on, they can do it. But now they've got to prove it. Oh, Dave, I love that analysis. That's exactly, exactly how I feel. And and, you know, I, I've got friends that were watching on BT Sport last week and, and they're like, what are you on about? You've, you've been commentating on these games. St. Albans weren't the greatest last night. And I'm like, oh, no, obviously maybe stage fright. But but believe me, if we take the five games you're talking about, in particular Ebbsfleet, you know, once that formation change occurred, we were we were dominant and they're expected to be right up there. And and I'm really encouraged. And I felt the same as you at the beginning of the season. We lost Joey Chifano, Sam Merson. Uh, Dean Snedker, you know, I was surprised by that. And I was getting worried, thinking, oh, my gosh, what's this season going to be? But Sean Jeffers, Mitchell Weiss, you know, Michael Johnson, albeit he didn't play in the FA Cup, 
Um, these are actually turning out to be very solid players. And I actually like some of the bench players he's got. So I, I like how he's rotating his squad. James Kolochki, he's looking better. He's looking stronger in that central defence role. Tom Bender's looking strong uh, in that central defence pairing. So I totally agree with you. He looks really, really encouraging. Going forward, you're right, uh, Chippenham this Saturday, It's you're absolutely spot on. What is their reaction going to be? And I think that's absolutely crucial, isn't it? There's one interesting thing there, though, Graham, because um, you look at the FA Cup, we had very fortunate draws. Each time we were drawn against lower league opposition, in the end, it didn't do us any good. And for the sixth time since the turn of this century, we lost to a lower league opposition in the FA Cup. Uh, that is just one of those things. And, and, but of those three games against lower sides, we only actually won one of them. One of them was decided on penalties and the other one we lost. So as a note of concern there, the fact that we couldn't kill Mikelover off, we, we were the better side, no two ways about it, but we just didn't have that killer instinct. So there are still things there for Ian to address uh, and he will be fine-tuning it as we go through the season like he always does. Well said, Dave, well said. And yeah, good luck to the Saints. So, David, delighted to have our first interview with you. Um, we'd be delighted to speak to you again in three or four weeks' time. And, and we'll dive a bit deeper into some statistics on not only modern-day statistics, which I know you've got a good grip of, but also let's go back and I'd really like to, not, not for Dave, for today, I should say, but when we speak again, I'd like to delve back into some memorable moments for you in your 50 years following the Saints and some statistics that you can share with us that have pretty pretty much been extraordinary. So uh, would you be keen to come back and do that for us? It'd be a pleasure to talk to you again, Graham. You are a star. So on that note, I look forward to seeing you down at uh, Clarence Park again whilst you're working with the media team. And we'll be down there on uh, Radio Verulam doing the live commentary on our, our Saints Live Red Button. And uh, thank you very much for your time today, Dave. Thanks, Graham. Good luck with the commentating. The news, the views covering your teams. This is the Radio Verulam Local Football Show from St Albans on 92.6 FM. Thank you, as always, to our guests this week and thanks to you for listening in. Don't forget we continue our live commentary next Tuesday at Clarence Park where the Saints host Braintree Town. Click on the Saints Live Red button from 7.45pm to listen via Radio Verulam. From St Albans on 92.6 FM and online around the world, you are listening to the Radio Verulam Local Football Show.